looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Pass the Post, Sunday, October 24. And they passed a pretty significant post in the Cox Plate yesterday at Mooney Valley, Ben Dorries. Uh, the Cox Plate lived up to its reputation. High drama uh, right from before the, the starter said go, of course, with the scratching of Gold Trip. And then the race morning scratching of Zaki. We were down to eight runners and we thought, well, it was lost a bit of its impetus. It didn't. Well, the funny thing was, I actually thought, uh, yeah, it was a fairly weak old Cox Plate and there was no crowds there. But you know what? It's just got a way of finding drama, this race, doesn't it? It, it was it was incredible. And that uh, 25, 30 minutes after the race, even though you couldn't see any action, there was no action in the steward room that because of COVID protocols, the TVs couldn't get in there. It, it was just uh, a dramatic time. It was arguably one of the most dramatic protests of all time, I think. Mm. It, it was a, a mad half hour afterwards. Of course, the protest was fired in by Craig Williams riding Animo rather quickly. I think a bit of bit of theatre there, but he uh, he was straight in, and uh, then the deliberation took place. As this was happening, as this was unfolding in the stewards' room, where the media couldn't be in there because of COVID, they were getting ready for the invitation at Randwick, and Darren Flindell saying, "I hope we get this protest result before they jump away this two million dollar race." As it turned out. I flashed the result of the protest when they jumped into the barriers of Doomben like a short time later. I said, protest dismissed, they're racing at Doomben. But it was it was uh, a high drama, and we're going to uh, unfold it and, and unpick it this morning. But before we do that, most importantly, now, I want to help you. Oh, here we go again. I Life wanna, advice it, from David Fowler. Where's this? Where, what direction is this going in? Well, Archer Park Racing, of course, the colours uh, were, just, were seen to advantage by Bonaparte last week. We had the tip. Neither is back, and I'll put my hand up there as well. You've got another chance today. Race one, race one, maximum output, $3.10. Okay. Not favourite, second favourite. So it's early for it'll you. Be, it'll be favourite by the time I get to it. <laughs> I want you to be on it. I want, you, I want you to watch the white and blue stars flash to the line. Michael Carl's riding it. But um, yeah, you presenting today's program. We've got a lot to get through. So uh, most importantly, let's go to the, the big one, the Cox Plate, and uh, let's hear the replay. Captive on at the 500 metres. They're in the middle of the track. Yendel goes for the whip. Here come the runs. Mawunga up around the outside. Dallasan trying to cut the corner. Then call sign Mab running through them. State of Rest has got the split. 300 to go. And the Irish horse sprints clear. State of Rest a length. Animo follows it through. And very elegant to the outside at the 200. State of Rest a neck. Animo very elegant late. It's State of Rest at the 100. Animo wearing it down. State of Rest just in front of Animo. State of Rest holding on. State of Rest, I think, has just won for the Emerald Isle from Adamo and very elegant. Then came Moonga. Next to finish, Probabil, Dallas and Colsign Mab and Captivant in a thrilling Cox Plate. Yes, and uh, a very graphic description there by Matt Hill. He, um, he he saw it very well, just listening there. You didn't have to even watch it to, to hear the description of what happened with State of Rest and Adamo pairing off fighting out, a, to use a Ken Howard expression, a tooth and nail finish. But State of Rest got the margin by a short head. As we know, it didn't end there. Craig Williams on Animo lodged an objection against State of Rest for um, uh, interference over the last 100 metres, which was seen by everyone in Australia from any number of angles. However, the, uh, the onus rested, of course, with the stewards panel. And Rob Cram, the chairman of Stewards in Racing Victoria, has uh, been very kind enough to join us this morning to, to go through this rather dramatic uh, series of events. Rob, good morning. Thanks for your time. Good morning. Yesterday, of course, um, as we know, the, the, the principles of a protest or the procedures um, from a steward's point of view, it's the same as a Matoa made it as a Cox Plate. But I suppose even allowing for that, 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 that said, the gravity of the race and the, the situation... I suppose to a degree, it, it's, it is at the back of your mind, isn't it? Yes, we're fully aware of the occasion, the high profile of the race, the um, very generous prize money, but you don't let that cloud your decision-making or your process. You stick to the same processes that you do in every protest, as you've explained, whether that's a country maiden or a Cox Plate. Did you have extra angles uh, available to you yesterday, Rob, because it was such a, a big race? I think it was a helicopter angle and, and all sorts of different angles that potentially you, you, you may not get. 
Yes, being a feature day, we have more camera angles. Um, we have head-on, side-on, back-ons, overheads, tight shot, tracker shots, etc. Quite comprehensive. Rob, uh, watching the race live from your position, I imagine that the, the Stewards Tower is still on the same spot that I remember at Mooney Valley, where you, you get a rather strong head-on view. Uh, what were your initial thoughts watching that race as they went to the post? Yes, I did observe the incident live and um, I was expecting uh, Craig Williams to at least look at the video, if not lodge an objection, being aware of the situation that, of the incident near the 100 metres. What was the defining uh, reason, I guess, or thought process, um, you know, if you had to single out one thing, I guess, Rob, with dismissing the protest? Um, ben, the incident occurred passing the 100 metres and John Allen shifts in when riding along and brushes Animo. The stewards analysed the detail of that incident and compared the interference suffered by the suffering horse to the final margin as published by the judge when the horses hit the line. So the underlying principle is always if that incident had not have happened, would the horse protesting against the horse that caused interference have beaten that horse home? And that's the underlying principle that supplied to all objections. Mm. Rob, for listeners this morning, and we get the opportunity to, to see a lot of protests being undertaken with uh, our, uh, our modern technology. Cameras can be in the room. That wasn't the case yesterday. But just for that point where you finally deliberate, your panel deliberate, uh, f- just to explain the process, is it a, a majority decision? That, is that how it works out? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, we had a panel of five stewards adjudicate. Um, each steward hears all the evidence relevant to the objection. Um, we adjourn to discuss it, uh, each steward has one vote and the majority vote rules. And uh, as we know, Rob, uh, Craig Williams has got the gift of the gab. He doesn't mind a chat at the best of times. It was a very, very long protest hearing. Uh, what was his argument uh, effectively? And I'm sure he, he mounted an extensive argument. Well, he did. I mean, his argument was that he'd come from behind state of rest. He made ground that there was an incident at 100 metres in which State of Rest had shifted in to him and made contact with his horse. And then um, he believes he'd made some ground to the finishing line. And it was Craig's view that had that interference not occurred, he would have beaten State of Rest home. You've been the chairman of stewards for a few years now, but you're you're an experienced steward and obviously been part of a lot of protest hearings. Uh, Has there been one with as much gravity as as this one yesterday that, that you've been involved with? Um, one comes to uh, my mind, I have a clear memory of the Cox Plate with Viscount Sunline and um, Northerly. We had a double protest, I think, that day. So, yeah, I have a clear memory of that, which was the same race, of course, the Cox Plate. Exactly. I was trying to remember, I was talking to Ben before we came on air, uh, Craig Williams, I think, secured a protest. He had an objection upheld. And I reckon it was at Mooney Valley, and I reckon it was a mile race where a lot thought, well, it'll be dismissed, but it was upheld. And he used the word intimidation. Were you on the panel that day? Do you recall that? Um, I, under, I, I recall the situation you're describing, but um, I'm not sure if I was there, but I understand what you're putting over, and uh, that term was used, yes. And, Rob, the, the, the margin is a significant factor, obviously, in, in all protests. This was a short head. Given the time that uh, you know you took to deliberate, can can the sort of listeners read into it? If the margin was was anything less than a short head, you know there was every chance it may have been upheld. Was the margin a, a crucial factor? Yes, Ben, and it probably answers your earlier question from you that um, had there been slightly more interference suffered by Animo, or had the margin have been less, then it would be more likely that the objection was upheld. But it was as it was with the short head margin and the actual factual interference and incident that occurred passing 100 metres. Um, it was the stewards' view that um, that the protest uh, be dismissed. Was there any other stewards' news to, or major stewards' news that come out of the Cox Plate, Rob? And have you had any update from Annabelle Neesham in regards to, to Zaki's well-being? 
Um, not at this stage, no, that we will be following that up. Um, we had two suspensions during the day out of race five, uh, Linda Meach and Daniel Moore. Um, and we had uh, the late withdrawal of the uh, uh, John Baker horse out of the Mooney Valley Cup race eight. Yeah, that was, what was the reason behind that, the Harpo Mark scratching? That's correct, Harpo Marks. Um, stewards received a report from Racing Victoria's Chief Vet Grace Forbes that a full review had been made of the uh, CT scans of Harpo Marks being a nominated horse for the Melbourne Cup. Um, and the uh, panel of experts had reviewed those scans and reported there was an issue with the near foreleg of the horse. Um, Mr Baker had a discussion with his stable vet and they elected to withdraw the gelding from the race as a result of that. Fair enough. As we said at the start, appreciate your time this morning and taking us through what was a, a very uh, high-powered situation, but uh, thanks for that this morning, Rob. Thanks, guys. Rob Crabb, the chairman of Stewards of Racing Victoria, taking us through the behind-the-scenes, and literally was behind-the-scenes this time. No, uh, no media in there because no, of COVID. Absolutely. Now, I want your opinion, David Fowler. Right, mm. right decision? Look, I, I, I've said this to you before. I'm one of those ones very hard for me to to say a predator should be upheld. Um, I'm, I'm of the opinion that it really has to be almost like, you know, bang wallop to, to, to take it off a, a horse that's first past the post. Um, oh, you know, the, the, there was a definite um, uh, bump there. There was a, a, a slight margin. But I felt, you know, Animo still had his chance. I, I wasn't convinced Animo was going past going past a state of rest. So that's my thoughts. Your, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Um, but I, I'm probably a bit narrower than you. I, I thought if it was upheld, it wouldn't have been the shock of the century. And I could understand both sides. But I think on the on the balance of everything um, that we heard, and we heard from the stewards, I think the right decision was made also. But, um, yeah, as I say, if, if it had have gone the other way, I wouldn't have fallen over backwards. John Allen's about to join us, but I'll also say to you, this doesn't come into the equation, but Animo carried seven kilos less than State of Rest. I know that's not part of their deliberation, but I felt he had his chance. Let's hear the man of the moment, so to speak, John Allen, the winning jockey of State of Rest. John, thanks for joining us this morning. That was a pretty heavy half hour for you yesterday during the race and then uh, in the protest. Yeah, we got that. Um, yeah, yeah, it certainly seemed to drag on for a while, but uh, thankfully uh, the decision went our way. John, congratulations. There was some TV vision of you outside the stewards' room the longer the protest was taking. And I must say, you started looking a little bit glum in the face there the longer the, the protest took. Did, was your heart in your, in your mouth? Did you think, oh, no, they could take this off me? Yeah, look, it was certainly dragging on. I, I suppose you're always thinking the worst in those situations, but um, yeah, look, it was certainly a relief when um, I heard it was dismissed. Yeah, as I said, it was a pretty heavy half hour. You go into the Cox Play. That's a you know one of Australia's, if not Australia's biggest race. You've got to win the race, and you only want to buy a short head. So you've got to get the photo, and then you've got to go through a protest, and where opinions sort of outside the steward room seem evenly divided but take us through the race um i want to ask you this question first the, the the track yesterday it seemed as the day progressed they wanted to get away from the rail were you happy enough you found the right path in running yeah yeah um i've said once you didn't want to be probably one one too like too close to the fence but we, as a race we all kind of rest off it the whole way so um i was happy where i was um obviously just coming down the side there I probably didn't have the option to come to the outside, so I kind of had to try and ride through him. But, um, look, he was going that well. I was confident I had the horses in front of me covered. I just needed that gap. But, obviously, I was aware that my two main dangers were going to be following me. So, um, yeah, look, uh, luckily enough, I think it, it panned out pretty well. And, um, yeah, look, the, the horse was good and brave. And um, certainly showed a good turn of foot when I, uh, when I asked him to kick off. Uh, John, did you speak to your, your former Irish countryman, Joseph O'Brien, much in the lead-up to this race, or were you, were you pretty much dealing with his, um, you know, the travelling foreman in Australia? No, I, I spoke to Joseph a couple of times, yeah. Um, look, he, he was he, he didn't tie me down with too many instructions. Though. He just told me what he could about the horse, and um, he was confident that he'd, uh, he'd run a big race. What about, uh, we've put the Cox Plate behind us, congratulations. What What's happening for John Allen during the uh, the Flemington week? What, what's what's lined up for you? 
Yeah, um, looking forward to it now, hopefully. Um, got a few nice rides. Um, explosive Jack in, in, in the Derby or in the in the Melbourne Cup. He'll have to bounce back from a disappointing Coffee Cup run. But uh, look, we're hopefully he can. It was, it was just one of those days. It, nothing, it just, he just, he just never... Um, Never performed, but um, that's very uncharacteristic of him. So we're hoping he can bounce back. Um, yeah, stakes the probably have a good round the derby. He talks to hopefully. I, I think he can go very close. John, finally, for a, for a, a former jump jockey that came from Ireland to Australia, pretty much on a wing and a prayer, seeing you, you know you try your luck. Do you, you sort of you must pinch yourself. Uh, you know, you've won a lot of big races, obviously, but you must just think, well, we, um, you know, it's extraordinary how quickly your career's come on and now you're a Cox Plate winner. Yes, well, look, how to imagine, really, I suppose. Um, when I was on the plane over here, certainly never imagined when the Cox played for, uh, for um, a fellow Irish trainer. So, um, yeah, look, how, how things have come along have been unreal. Um, look, I've got great opportunities from trainers and owners and um Obviously, I realise I'm pretty privileged to be in the position I'm in. So, um, yeah, look, as you said, when I arrived in Australia here first, probably not in my wildest dreams, I'd, I'd have been thinking I'd have won a Cox Plate. But uh, certainly, um, certainly uh, not disappointed with it. <laughs> did, you, did you sneak a, uh, ma- did you manage to sneak an Irish whiskey or an Irish beer? Or do you drink Australian beer or Australian wine? Or did you, did you find a little celebration last night? Oh, I had a couple, yeah. A few too many, I think. A bit of a pain in my head this morning, but anyway, <laughs> it was well worth it. Well, you've been good enough to, to, to join us this morning. Congratulations on on a great result yesterday. Thanks, John. No, thanks very much. Thanks, lad. John Allen joining us, the winning jockey of State of Rest, who scraped home in the Cox Plate and then survived a protest. He goes, well, probably more likely than McKinnon now. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine so. And... As we sort of alluded to there, and gee whiz, you could tell John Allen did have a sore head. But um, not only did he come to come to Australia, uh, you know, pretty much with with nothing that much lined up. Don't forget, he had a massive career setback as well when Darren Weir was rubbed out mm. because he used to get a lot of his winners and a lot of his rides for Darren Weir. So I mean, at, when Darren Weir was banned from racing, people were saying, "Well, John, John Allen, he might have to go back to Ireland now. Will anyone else support him?" Um, he's been going arguably better ever since. Just on the race itself, uh, they all seem to travel well. As we said, that the track was certainly playing not towards the hard on the road. You had to be, in fact, as John pointed out, and you watched the head-on shot of, of some of the stages of the race on the Cox Plate, they were racing probably two or three away from the rail. He travelled well, state of rest, but he got that lovely saloon run through and animo. Craig Williams was... I'm sure Craig Williams at one point, probably near the 600, was thinking to go to the outside and try and swoop but uh, he elected then to come back and follow State of Rest through. So he, like State of Rest, they got that run through the gut, so to speak, then came away to fight it out. There was some criticism of uh, the rider very elegant that it was too far back or further back than most anticipated. What do you think of that? Yeah, she was a long way back, but she was struggling to keep up there at one point. And, um, look, she had to cover extra ground when Damien Lane looped around them. But I just think that's... I mean, Very Elegant is not a horse. Uh, just with her racing style and racing pattern, you can sort of you know cut up the inside on. She, she sort of needs to, a bit of space to get going. Look, I thought... Um, I thought her run was was good. It was definitely far better than the last run, but uh, she was hitting the line nicely. So you wonder about a Melbourne Cup mm. now, that, potentially, whether that was actually quite a nice Melbourne Cup trial. And that's a good point you make. I think because we're all focused on the, the state of rest animo, um, well, fighting it out, and then, of course, the protest. But you go back and look at the replay, she was she was gaining well, uh, very early. And I thought her run was sound. And, yeah, she's in the, the Cup at $13. Um I thought every horse had had every chance. Probably, probably not suited by the softish conditions. Moanga, I, I think, did run out a strong two thousand metres, but in the end, I thought it was uh, well. It was a great race with a lot of drama to it. Yeah, as we said at the start, in terms of quality, and not that I'm particularly potting any horse in it, but wasn't the best cox part. I don't think in terms of quality, but in terms of the theatre and the drama and the action, it was superb. And you know what? I'll tell you one thing: it showed me. Animo is an absolute rolled gold star. This mm. is a horse, the Caulfield Guineas winner. I think he was trying to become the first Caulfield Guineas uh, winner to go on and win the Cox Plate in almost four decades. Uh, he went within a hair's breadth. He could have still done it had it, you know, the result been overturned in the in the 
uh, steward's room. So this is a horse. This is a very, very serious horse, I think, Adamo. Interesting to see whether they pull up stumps or maybe go to the McKinnon because he's in there in the market at $8. Yeah, it will be. Look, I, I, he's, he's had a pretty uh, pretty decent old campaign. True. And you think that, you know, on the balance of probability after a pretty grilling old Cox Plate, they might be tempted to just uh, put him away and smoke their pipe for next season. But uh, who am I to judge what Godolphin are going to do? Well, exactly. Let's listen to some other features at the Valley yesterday. We'll go to the, the Mooney Valley Gold Cup. So 500 to go. Future score. Starcaster now joined by Pondus, who's about to let go. Attorney gets up underneath of them, followed by Sound, who's running on around the outside with Luna Flare, Secret Blaze, and then Floating Artist up around the corner. It's Pondus at the 200 metres going for home from Sound, Luna Flare, Secret Blaze, then Floating Artist. It's now Pondus grabbed by Luna Flare and Sound, the nine-year-old on the outside of the 100. Luna Flare from Sound. Luna Flare, Floating Artist coming late, Luna Flair. Luna Flair beat Floating Artist, Sound and Pondus. Then Miami bound. Next future score, Secret Blaze, Attorney Starcaster, and after leading, good idea was a long last. She's a more than handy mare. She's rising seven, trained by Graham Begg. Uh, Michael D had the ride. She was coming off a morning to win a month between runs as well, but again, she seemed to get the find the right path about four or five off the fence and, and just played the waiting game and, and got the gap and went on to win. But these sort of races, uh, like a, a Mooney Valley Cup, sometimes, well, it, even in recent years, it, it's not a, a great guide to, to the Melbourne Cup. But even in this year, I think, because incentivise is so, so dominant, dominant in the market, yeah. these horses are considered, well, even if they win, how will, how will they beat incentivise? Well, I, w- I will say this. I mean, Graham Bear, good on him. He was due for a change of luck, wasn't he? I mean, non-conformist uh, got beaten a, a lip in the might and power and then obviously yeah. struck... Uh, incentivised in the Caulfield Cup. So um, good on him. I think Floating Artist was, um, you know, it was an interesting run trying obviously to win that race and hope for a penalty uh, to get in the Melbourne Cup. So to some extent, uh, Luna Flair has really, I guess, punctured uh, Floating Artist's bid to get into the Melbourne Cup unless they go through the, the Hotham and, and mm. try and get in that way. Pondus, the 220 favourites, seem to have its chance finished in fourth position. Let's go to the Crystal Mile. Only a small field here. Elephant was an odds-on favourite. Up around the turn at the 300. Rhinoceros with Be Good to Your Mother. And now on the outer, Just Folk made a line of three. Elephant hooks off their heels. Just Folk at the 150 from Be Good to Your Mother. Elephant's going to have to really find here. Just Folk at the 100 from Elephant. Be Good to Your Mother's fighting back. Just Folk saw it through. Just Folk from Be Good to Your Mother. Elephant in Pecunia. So get best of days, Romancer. And Rhinoceros was last. Just Folk. John Allen riding there. We should have mentioned that. We didn't. But... Uh... Runner for the Julius family, fifth win at 15 start, more than a capable horse. Uh, generally, if it doesn't win, runs well. It was on speed there and was uh, strongest at the end. Elephant may have just come to the end of his preparation. Yeah, it was arguably slightly unlucky not to finish a bit closer. Elephant, gee, gee whiz, Rhinoceros uh, was was poor, led up and over-raced mm. and didn't know what it was doing. But I actually... You know, there was bigger races on the day, but the story of Josh Julius putting his name up in lights on Cox Plate Day, it was by far... Uh, his biggest win, the horse, I think, was bred by his grandfather, who's a former clerk, of the long-serving clerk of the course at Warrnambool. So um, really nice little story, that. And that'll give Josh Julius, who's based at Bendigo, with a, with a boutique stable there, a real kick along, I'd imagine. Good to hear. He's a five-year-old by Magnus, just folk. Let's go to the last of our features of the Valley yesterday, generally considered a key lead-up to the Victoria Derby. This is the Vars, and forgot you was a dominant favourite, although bookies did gamble late in the piece. It got out to $2.00. At the 500, Commander Harry has gone for home here. Linda Meach gives it a slap with the whip and led by two lengths. Chasing is Akahiro. Forgot you got to third. Jungle Magnate from a long way back runs up to fourth. Then El Rocco and Black Comb. So as they come to the turn, Commander Harry is two and a half lengths. Akahiro. El Rocco cut the corner. Forgot you still running on at the 150. It's Commander Harry leading out but getting tired. Forgot you wearing it down at the 100. Still coming. Commander Harry three quarters, forgot you slowly but surely, forgot you, goes up to Commander Harry and got it. Forgot you right on the line from Commander Harry, Jungle Magnate third from Akihiro. Turned out to be an exciting race. Then El Rocco, Samarkand and Spirit of Gaylard, Villa Den next, then Blackcomb. Cheerful moments, well back Akira. Patton well back with Antonio Giovanni and Sharper, the two leaders were gone at the 500. 
I don't know what to make of this. Forgot you. This it's, it's one. Uh, we, we had Mark Hunter on. Of course, he's our regular analyst on Select Racing, and he thought Forgot You was a, a good thing. He said the opposition are ordinary, and um, took a while, long while to win. Yeah, he knows how to win, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, and he got there. I think um, you know the bookies now have the Derby penciled as a two horse race between that horse and and Gunstock, and it was interesting after the race actually just to hear the. The training combination of um, uh, Natalie Young and Trent Pursuit, and so this horse, forgot you, is um, still in the Melbourne Cup. Like they've actually done all the vet checks and well, you know all those sort of things. So look, they've obviously got a high opinion of him. One thing I'll say about that race, that was one of the best losing rides you would ever see. Linda Meach mm. on Commander Harry at a hundred to one. I love seeing jockeys just take initiative. I mean, she was on a hundred and one chance. What's she going to do? Just sit back and you know smoke a pipe and hope for the best? No, she took the initiative, and gee whiz, it almost came off. That was a sensational ride by Linda Meach, I thought. And of course, it's a stable man. I forgot you. Yeah. So uh, the Quinella there to uh, to Trent and Natalie, uh, as you said, forgot you three dollars fifty for the Derby and Gunstock at four dollars. And lovely result for Daniel Moore, who of mm. course won the Group One on Friday night on Jonker for uh, Tony Gollum, not the um, strongest manicato I've ever seen by any means. You know, really decimated, I guess, by not having those Everest horses there. But you can only beat what's in front of you. And the Daniel Moore show rolls on, and terrific for Tony Gollum to win another Group One in Victoria. Of course, that Jonker's father, Spirit of Boom. Uh, won a Group 1 on the same track many years earlier. Yeah, exactly. And, um, gee, uh, winning the Group 1 now and uh, still a stallion jogger, it, uh, it sets up nicely for the, the the long term anyway. But I'm sure the racing's not over. He's going to be a, a key player during the Magic Minions. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Um, he's had a real messy preparation, that horse. He's gone from Melbourne to Sydney and back to Melbourne and things just haven't gone right. So... Um, Daniel Moore on Friday night just sees the initiative again just from the wide gate, just went straight to the lead and thought, you know what, I reckon I'm on the best horse here, you're going to have to run past me, and they couldn't. Well, that was Mooney Valley yesterday. Of course, just before we go, the Inglis Banner, the first race won by Semion, Jai McNeil riding for Team Hawks. I'm helping you again. This is by Shalar, right? Mm. Make a good impression, this stallion. Archer Park have a cult by Shalar called Road Trip. I'm even telling you the names now. Yeah. Stuart Kendrick, good fr- good friend of yours, has got it, ready to trial. You can buy a share of it. How, how do I get all this passed? This is what you don't seem to comprehend. That's not my I, concern. I've got a wife and two kids. <laughs> we're just... just battling to put bread and butter on the table at the moment. You know, we're struggling to, we're struggling to, you know, we've got a beautiful dog. You know, our main concern is just, you know, being able to afford dog food for the dog. And you're telling me to go out and buy horses. I just give you the valuable information. <laughs> how you handle it is your concern. It's not my concern. So if anyone out there wants to buy a share, and if you don't want it, well, good as gold. Uh, road trip, when it wins a big race, I'll be sitting over saying, I told you so, told you, Man, on, I'm, told I'm you not, on October 24 to buy a share of the Shalar Cult road trip. I'm not a highly paid race caller and oh, an announcer like yourself and, and host. I'm just a battling journalist doing my best. Don't believe the rumours. Hey, um, yes, that was the Valley yesterday. So, of course, we go to Flemington now, uh, Derby Day next Saturday, host of great races, host of great racing right through the week. And, of course, don't forget next Sunday is our special Melbourne Cup edition of Pass the Post. We've got to go through every horse, analyse it. So I know form's your strong suit. You love doing the form. You'll be up burning the midnight oil next Saturday night to be ready for Sunday. You just told me this on air. I, I, you didn't tell you. You didn't tell me before. Well, I'm telling you now. Yeah, okay, that'll be terrific. I want to tell the listeners so they can listen in as well. And I'll really look forward Hopefully to you'll provide them some great insight <laughs> into the form and think outside the square and be creative. Radio, But, uh, yeah, archerparkracing.com.au in all seriousness. Plenty there to look at. These horses are now named and they're ready to trial. They're ready to go. We're ready to go to Royal Randwick and the $2 million invitation, the invitation, the first running of the race was the feature. Let's go to the replay. Vangelic wouldn't give up the lead. It's Vangelic coming back on in Trivier. A length and a half clear from Madam Legend. Forbidden Love. Rocket Clock. Ice Bath to the outside. They come up the rise now. It's Vangelic and in Trivier from Madam Legend. Rocket Clock. Ice Bath is chiming in. Forbidden Love's getting a gap. Tricky Gal held up. Anybody's race here. And Ice Bath's come down the middle. Ice Bath moved up to take the lead from Rocket Clock. Then Forbidden Love getting through. But Ice Bath's come from last. And she wins the invitation. 
Christian beating Rocker Clock. Forbidden Love third. Then came on Trivier and Vangelic. Further back to Madame Rouge from Tricky Gala. From Media Awards, Sweet Deal, then Nudge, Madame Legend and Star Tontes. Yes, Ice Bath, uh, thoroughly deserved. And this is the feature of the, this story. This horse who's been so good, but often so unlucky, but no bad luck yesterday. Karen McAvoy riding an aggressive race, so to speak. He got going early. He wanted to be in the race at the right time. And her ability uh, did the rest, winning. Brad Whittup's the winning trainer. I'm sure he's a relieved man as well as a, a delighted man. And he's our next guest. Brad, good morning. Good morning, David. Good morning, Ben. You are relieved now, aren't you? At least one's up there. Yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, it was great to see. Um, you know, there's also been a lot of talk about her on top of the ground as well. And, look, I've never sort of come into that too much. Obviously, her, her big performances have been on wet tracks, and she's very good on a wet track. But, you know, her sectionals on a dry track are, you know, unbelievable. So, um, you know, given the right run she had yesterday, it was... Uh, you know, good to see. Take us back a bit, um, Brad, to those narrow second-place finishes in the Golden Eagle and the Doncaster, obviously very rich races last season. Did you feel like kicking a cat after those? I mean, did you just think, oh, she deserves one of these one day? Yeah, and, you know, um, you hope you can land it. You know, for a horse like this, you, you want to make the most of it. Um, not only for yourself, but for her career, you want to sort of... Uh, make sure she gets the right races on the board for when she does go off the stud. And, um, you know, so important these days. But you do start to, you know, you've got a short time with them. And when you miss those big ones, you think, oh, it's, you know, it's not often you get the chance again. So, um, look, she, she's been terrific. And all, all this preparation, she's been flying. And, um, you know, I've tried to keep a lid on it, just how well she's been going. And, we set it for the Epson, and you know that that sort of come unstuck. But um, look, it's a good rebound, and yeah, you know, two million dollar race for Phillies and Mares. Um, it wasn't around a few weeks ago. Um, you're pretty lucky there, I think. I mentioned at the start uh, that, that that McAvoy got going probably at about the seven hundred metres. He was on his bike, but by doing that and and getting around them reasonably well, he was ready to strike in the right position. He had faith in the horse. I think sometimes jockeys don't have as much faith as they should in horses. This horse is a high-quality mare, and he, he knew that, so he, he rode her to her ability. Yeah, and he, he sort of... He said when in Trivia went forward, um, he, he could see the colours, but he couldn't quite see if she slotted in and what type of run, and he said, look, I just... I didn't want to let it get too far away, and, um, you know, he knew what he was on, and he... You know, it all worked out well. He, he got going, as you said. He got going a fair way out. But, look, she's a filly that's got a big finish. And, you know, I think he rode it to her strengths yesterday. And it was, you know, it was good relief for me because finally that had happened. And um, we're in the right spot. And, you know, even the, I think it was the Golden Eagle um, uh, and the Doncaster, she'd sort of blinded, sided by horses on the outside of her. Like, you'd... You'd wish that she was sort of that horse swooping down the outside. I think it just um, plays in her favour. So, um, look, yeah, everything plays in her favour yesterday. You've got a whole world of choices, I guess, over the next couple of weeks in um, Melbourne for a Brad. Um, I'm assuming, like, the Empire Rose even backing up next week or there's the, you know, the McKinnon or Matriarch on Stakes Day. I just had actually had a look at the forecast. There's a bit of rain around at the um, or a fair bit of rain around in Melbourne at the end of this week, would that at all tempt you to try and back her up in Empire Rose or not? Yeah, look, she'll she'll go down to Melbourne probably Tuesday night, um, so we'll give her a chance for sure. Uh, I, I had a quick look actually just before two at the weather, and uh, yeah, I've seen that. So, um, you mind you, Flemington different track these days. You need, you need a fair bit of rain to change it dramatically, but. Uh, look, she's pulled up good. She was good this morning. Um, it'll be a first trip away from here, Sydney, like a, as far as in the state. So, you know, there's a few things we've got across there, but she's pretty tough and she loves the backup too. So, um, yeah, look, well, we'll definitely nominate um, and go from there, I think. What about it? It could have been a very big end of the day for you because... We've all talked about Ice Bath, but you took over the preparation of Keefe for the for the Bondi. 
It's run second at $21, and Volpine just missed out of the last at $81. Yeah, she's a funny mare. Um, she's not a big mare, very good worker. She eats good, and, you know, she, she's one of those things you think you just win first up with every day of the week, but she takes four or five runs to get going. I think she won a group three at a 10th run last time in. You know, she's a real quirky thing, and, um, you know, I think she's finally getting back to her best and what she she showed yesterday. Once she seems to hit form like that, she holds it for a few runs. So um, very pleasing to see. And, you know, obviously, um, uh, Keefe, I can't lay much claim there. You know, David sent her down in fantastic order. And, you know, unfortunately, he couldn't um, come down with uh, with him and he, he sort of elected to transfer but, um, yeah, look, I mean, full credit to his team. He, he was in very good order and uh, I was surprised he ran so well. He, You know, the way he looked and uh, travelled down, he, he uh, it's like he'd been here a year 100 times. So I thought I thought he could run a race with, um, you know, what, especially the race. I think, obviously, the, um, the winner and Chris's horse um, had good form, but it was pretty open to the rest of it, I thought. So... Um, yeah, I thought he acquitted himself well. Just with uh, finally with Ice Bath, Brad. Obviously, the the COVID protocols and the restriction, border restrictions, and racing restrictions have have changed. You know, pretty quickly over the last week. Would it be your intention to go to Melbourne yourself? Uh, look, uh, my uh, sister Andre, he's going to go down tomorrow, and um, he'll drive down tomorrow, and then. Get everything sorted out as far. I think you just got to get a um, test now and you're right. So um, I think the only issue is coming back. We've got to sort out. So oh, look at this stage. I probably won't go down. Um, but look, he knows her very well, so she's in good hands, and she'll go to Peter Snowden's place. So you know, I don't think I've got too much to worry about there. Just before you go, last question. Um... Ice Bath has got the monkey off the back, so to speak. Hasn't been an easy time for you over the last few years. It's been well documented. And I'm, I know people can be saying to you, slapping you on the back, saying, oh, mate, she was unlucky. Oh, she should have won. And you can hear that enough. But, but to actually, for you, to get that win on the board, it's important for you as well, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Look, um, you know, we, we want to compete in this market. It's a very tough market. And you've got to be able to win the big ones and... Um, you know, so look, I, I think it's a, it's a big help. We're we're slowly rebuilding. Um, you know, the team has done a great job, and I've been very lucky. I've got a good um, lot of staff that've been with me. Like Rosie rides Ice Bath. She's been with me from day one. Um, just four and a half years. She's rode since the yearling, and then um, you know, look at Mel that straps her. She's been here for three years. So, you know, I've got a good base of staff that have been here a long time now. And, um, you know, it was great. They were wrapped and, you know, everything's building really nicely. Good on you, mate. Congratulations on yesterday. We, we fingers crossed, we'll see you Saturday of the Empire Rose. We might be talking again next Sunday. Well, hopefully I'll see you up there one day with us. So I'd love to get up there and get amongst it. So anyway, but, um, yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Good on you. Good on you. There's Brad Woodup joining us this morning. Rosie. Rosie's been riding a track work. Every time I think of Rosie, <laughs> I think of um, Rosie, who was the housekeeper in the Jetsons. Yeah, you see, you're I've a lot. Lo- I've lost you really your are a lot older than me, aren't you? <laughs> I have lost you completely. Different generations. I thought you might say, I thought you might say, yeah, I remember the I've Jetsons. I've heard of the Jetsons. I know who the Jetsons are, but leave me out of Rosie. No idea. Well, Rosie rides ice bath anyway. But uh, no, good to see, good to see uh, him win. He, he he's a bloke who, who's you know had his share of dramas and not caused by himself either. And uh, to win that race yesterday, and she deserved that with It's as simple as that. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a terrific win, and he spoke beautifully to us, didn't he? Uh, you could tell him meant a lot to him. Let's have a listen to the the Bondi, the million dollar Bondi, which Keefe was in, but was the runner up. So it's Dufresne in front, but being taken on now by Keefe and Royal Zelly got going. Coteal gets a good run behind them, followed by Leach. Now Coast Watch is being revved up on the inside of Halal. Arna Kerr shuffle back as they come to the turn. And Dufresne trying to beat them off. Keefe in second from Coteal, Royal Zelly. Halal gets to the outside. Coast Watch in a bad spot. It's Dufresne being joined by Keefe now. 
Keefe and Dufresne stride for stride. Halal starting to lengthen and Kotil between them. Three further back to Arnakur. Keefe got to the front from Halal and Halal the favourite moved up now and put the head in front from Keefe. Charging home at the end is uh, is Lease but it's Halal's victory in the Bondi Stakes. Beat Keefe and Lease there in the yellow cap got through to run third. They were followed in by Coast Watch from Dufresne. Uh, Coteal from Arnakur. Further back to Royal Zella and Reginald was about the last one to finish. Alola was a bit a bit slow in starting this preparation, but has now really hit top gear when he can go back to back to Stan Fox and now the Bondo. Yeah, it can be um, quite difficult to uh, ride this horse, but not yesterday. Um, you know, settled really well and then finished really powerfully down the middle of the track. So look, you'd have to think races like the I guess the Randwick Guineas next season and maybe even a Doncaster would start to you know come into the, the long term focus for this horse. Good day for Peter and Paul Snowden yesterday too with a training treble for the father-son partnership. So we go to the Golden Eagle at Rose Hill next Saturday. I'm Thunderstruck, the 350 favourite. Private-eyed six at Apache Chase, $11. Yes, and it's changed the situation there since we spoke last Sunday, hasn't it? Remember we were saying Jim Byrne wasn't going down? Well, he wasn't at the time. He decided not to. Now he is. So, um, yeah, really interesting stuff. Well, actually goes back a bit further. Do you remember, you've got a good memory, I hope you have, that... When we spoke to Desley Forster after the week, which she said Jim Byrne wouldn't be going. She said that won't be happening, you know, probably looking for a Sydney jockey. Whether that was Jim's decision, I don't know. Then Jim was going. Then Jim wasn't going. Now Jim is going. Well, I mean, good decision, I reckon. I'd go down and ride in a $7.5 million race. Wow. Yeah, exactly. We'll take a break here on Past the Post. Thanks for your company this morning. Some promising horses stepped out of Dooman yesterday. I want to concentrate on those when we come back. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. It certainly is, and you'll get to the next level if you make maximum output. Race one, number two, at $3.10. I've told you that once, I've told you a hundred times. <laughs> Dubin yesterday, we were on a, a soft five that progressed to a good four. I thought it was an interesting race, Benny. I want to go to race eight, a benchmark 70. You might wonder why we're replaying this race. Let's have a listen to the replay, and then we'll have a chat about the winner. Travelling towards the turn, 400 left to Rana. Moon Amis had a tough trip but draws alongside Biggie and Stokes still the leader. Phantom Court about to get an inside run if good enough. Then came Glamour Fox followed by Keep On Loving You. Go Wanji starts to wind up. He's coming with a pretty good run down the outside. And then came Danezel. Here comes Go Wanji. Have a look at him go. Oh, he's a good horse this one. And he roared away from them. This is one good horse. Go Wanji. Five lengths. Pretty success, I'd say, second from Phantom Court. Not far away, Broken Hero near the rail and wider Danezel, but he left them in their wake. Then came Keep On Loving You, Moon and Me, Tajola Moore, Dynamic Thinker, Glamour Fox, Ginger Rock, Biggie and Stoked, last time, 119.29. I'm dirty on myself. I wish I'd backed him. Oh, I'll tell you what. Just, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't talked to you about this, but just listening to the call there, I, I reckon a dollar oh two is the wrong <laughs> price that you backed that horse, or it should be a dollar a one. Well, yeah, yeah, I did, and uh, and I talked it up in the morning. But I was so impressed by the the authority of this win. Uh, it's a gut feeling. I, I might be wrong. I don't think I am. But look, the man who'll know more than than us is the man who puts the polish on Go Wanji, Tom Dougal. He's joining us this morning on Past the Post. Tom, good morning. Morning, David. Uh, that was a win yesterday. Yeah, no, he's a really nice horse and, uh, you know, it was probably the perfect storm for him really early in his career. He's down, down close to the minimum and out in distance was the, you know, big key to him. He's been crying out to get, get out to a bit of a trip, but we just haven't been able to get him there yet. And, and uh, you know, it, it probably was. And, a, you know, a, a low benchmark race, of you know, of a Saturday. So it probably was the perfect storm for him to... to Kick off his metropolitan career, yeah. Don't talk him down, whatever you do. And uh, Hong Kong, any interest there? And has there uh, been a few phone calls overnight? Because Hong Kong seemed to swoop on on uh, lots of exciting new horses like this. Um, have you taken many phone calls? Uh, <laughs> I turned the phone off last night, Ben. So <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm I'm not a I'm not a big phone person. I don't like the telephone much. So uh, I'm sure they'll get back to me today. Look, uh, this horse, he, he won three on the bounce. He went to Dolby on debut, won his maiden. You took him to a non-tamber at Chinchilla, then he won at Warwick. 
The first time I actually saw him in the flesh was at Eagle Farm. I was impressed with what I saw too. He's a he's an athletic type. He's a strongly built horse. And that run at Eagle Farm that day was very good because they walked up front and he made really good ground against the tempo. That was the 21st of August, and then he, he didn't run until the 9th of October. Was that deliberate, or had there been a little hiccup along the way that he didn't race? Yeah, from? he just he just had a little sti- hiccup in the stable, nothing major, but um, we just had to we just had to tread water a little for for a little while, and and um, he was in work the whole time. He never went out, and and uh, he just needed a day at the races before we took him back to Brisbane, and and the Warwick race just. It just fell into place. It wasn't perfect or or anything like that. But a short, slow trip out to Warwick and and you know he got beat. He got beat. You know, fair and square. I think the winner's a nice horse. Um, but he just needed a, a a day out. Yeah. And I saw earlier he's won four from six now, Tom. But um, earlier you sent him to Chinchilla for his second race start. Gee whiz, he must have been something to beat that day. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, look. Um, We've been pretty conservative with him. Um, he hasn't been knocked about. He's he's lightly raced and and he's been worked pretty conservative on the track. So we we um we thought we'd take the conservative approach with him and he could learn on the job. And and an old fella told me once, it's not where you start, it's where you finish the thing. <laughs> exactly <right. laughs> hey, I want to know a little bit about the background of the horse itself. He's a four-year-old by one Gina out of a mare called Secret Sleeping, who I think was a three-times winner. Just give us the background of to where, where Gowanji started from. Uh, Dad Dad went to Scone, uh, Yearland Sales, and bought him, bought him there for himself. And, uh, look, we were battling at the time. We were going pretty ordinary, so Dad thought that he better better step in and, and try and give us a hand. And anyway, he's bought a nice horse, so he got to have a bit of luck along the way somewhere. Did he have to spend much? Oh, well, uh, plenty for us. Um, he was 20, so he's the dearest horse I've ever had my hands on. So, um, you know, it's cheap for other people. But, um, yeah, no, it, it, but he's a good, he's a, he's a nice sort of, he's a good style of horse. And, and um, yeah, just, you've got to have a, you got to have a bit of luck along the way. Um, and, and, and thankfully... Thankfully, uh, he's a nice horse. Where do we go to next? When's his next start? Uh, not sure, David. I have, personally, I haven't had a look, but there, there'll be something. We're in no hurry with him. Um, uh, Dad owns him, so there's no pressure anywhere. So there, there'll be a race for him. And, and oh, I think, uh, yeah, he did win well Saturday, but I I, I think um, I think there's still a fair bit of learning to come with him so um you know we're in no hurry that there'll be there'll be something for him around yeah i've got to ask you about another horse tom quite a uh a lot of people may not have heard of but could be quite a uh an interesting you might get a few phone calls from perhaps even you know journeys like myself leading up to the melbourne cup of course you've got a horse called golden gull which was the last horse to beat incentivise the, the the horse that's taken Australian racing by storms, the Melbourne Cup um, favourite. This was a twenty thousand dollar maiden uh, over eighteen hundred and fifty metres back at Toowoomba in March. That's, that's quite an extraordinary story. Is it? Did you give your horse a good chance? Of, I think incentivise was two dollars or something that day. Do you t- take us back to that day? Oh yeah, we were second favourite. I I'm, I get on really good with Steve. I'm um, I'm, I'm pretty close to Steve and and. Um, and uh, kick a few things around with him and, and whatnot. And we were second favourite. We were, we were, we were second favourite. So, um, but um, yeah, she was a pretty ordinary maiden, and and we fell out. We fell over the line, and we haven't got hot since. <laughs> <laughs> you would have followed the incentivised story with. Uh, I mean, everyone's followed it with interest. But but just given that, you would have followed that uh, that horse with extra interest. I'm assuming. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. It, it it's. Um, you know, it's fantastic for racing, but personally, it's fantastic for Steve. Steve. Everyone sees all the winners and that, but but he puts an awful lot in. He's yeah, he's a very hard worker himself, and and um, yeah, it's just fantastic. Everyone sees the the winners and and whatnot, but I tell you what, there's there's a whole lot goes into it, and and um, yeah, it's great. It's great to see for Steve himself, uh, personally, yeah. And one one fact before we go, before we let you go, the Open Handicap yesterday ran 119.32. The benchmark severed out, but we're going to have a listen to that in a moment. Ran 119.79, but Wanji, 119.29. So you were the fastest of the three 
1350 metre races. Thanks for your time this morning and let the phone ring again because it'll, you'll be busy. Thanks, David. Good on you, mate. Tom Dougal joined us. This is a good horse. It is a good horse. Uh, gee whiz. Wangina. Uh, Wangina. I've got one of those. It's had uh, five starts in five years. I thought you were having a crack at me for calling it Wangina. Wangina, Wangina. Well, I don't know what you call it, but... What have you got again, sorry? Oh, yeah, you know. I wasn't Gul- listening to you. Kulagong Rose that you called oh, Winning on yes. Debut about 23 years ago. It, yeah, it was too. Oh, it was too. It was a long time the ago. The size just got something about it, but my horse just can't stay fit. Why is it that you have all the bad luck and I have all the good luck? My horse won in, in, in Adelaide yesterday another award. Well, this is why you're living in a harbourside mansion and I'm living in a caravan park at sort of Athlete. It's just the way we roll, Dave. We're continuing the story from Dubin yesterday. We're continuing in the same vein. We're continuing with uh, a trainer on the downs and a horse who's up and coming. Let's have a listen to Sir Warwick win the benchmark 78. 600 left to run, 44.06 the first split, the pace is genuine Xanthus has had a hard run and showing signs of distress, then Dark Euro followed by Daring Bowler, Neutron about four off them as they come to the turn then Safado, Rebel Salute, Raging Pole and Scottish Mist in the home straight Shijin led the way, he hasn't gone for Sir Warwick out on the outside, now he gives it its cue and it goes past Shijin they're well clear of the others including Rebel Salute and Neutron, down towards 100 metres though and Sir Warwick is well clear of his rivals, Running on well, Rebel Salute. Scottish missed from last. He's all out, Sir Warwick, but he'll win again. Flying, Sir Warwick first. Second, Rebel Salute. Second, Scottish missed. Third, Shy Jin or Rebel Salute. Then Neutron. Didn't have much luck in the run. Then came Safado, Daring Bell. And the last three over the line were Dark Euros, Raging Pole and Xanthus in 1979. We introduced Jay Capewell to Radio Tab when uh, he was on Wednesday Wisdom the, the morning before Sir Warwick absolutely thrashed his rivals at a 1,200 metre midweek. He's gone to the Saturday level now, gone up to 1,350 metres, one again, four from four for this young trainer, and he's with us online. Jake, good morning. Congratulations. Thanks, David. How are you going? I'm going well. I know you are as well. What about, <clears throat> now what about this? Uh, you, can, you can have a go at me if you like. Um, I, I said in the broadcast he was all out. I'm thinking... 1,200 might be better than 1,350 or 1,400. You're the trainer. You know more than me. What did you think after all the dust has settled? Yeah, so um, Jimmy Jimmy did say that he, he probably um, he might have just overdid it a little bit for 100 metres or so uh, once once that horse come across from out wide. Um, there was a little bit more given the track, I think, as well. I think he's got better horse on top of the ground and... Um, look, I don't. I, I did think he, he did empty out a little bit uh, at the 1350, but I, I do think once he once he really starts to mature and just relax that little bit more, I think he he um, he. I do still think he'll get the trip. Um, but yeah, he, look, he, it's good to have the option if we can get out to that distance. Um, but he's definitely he was very strong over six furlongs. So um, yeah, we've got a bit of bit of bit of planning to do, and this plenty of races around either way, whichever way we want to go. Um, but, yeah, you're probably right in saying that, and I do think there's a couple of couple of reasons, being the track and that he did, did over-race a little bit early. Just uh, tell our listeners a little bit of the, the background of this horse and how you got him, because he was trained by Mick Price, I think, um, and Michael Kent Jr. in Victoria. Yeah, that's right. I was lucky enough that... Um, the owners, Patrick Ferrugia and Wolf Muller, they spoke to Scott McAlpine. Obviously, they were having trouble with the horse uh, loading in the barriers. He had a couple of embargoes on him. Um, Scott pointed them in my direction and, um, yeah, they they um, got in contact with me and we worked out a bit of a plan and that's, that's how he came to our stable. We uh, gave him four or five trials to get him barrier passed and then we... Went to Toowoomba, he got scratched at the barriers and we went back to the trials and um, luckily enough we worked out a process that works and away we went. Of course, uh, our listeners who, who listen to Wednesday Wisdom will know this but many wouldn't be listening or could not, might not be listening that morning. There's more of a story to Jay Capewell as there is to Sir Warwick because whilst you're training Sir Warwick, training horses is not your main business. Tell us your background. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so uh, we've got a uh, spelling farm and a breaking-in business at Westbrook. Um, we also pre-trained a lot of horses there as well. We've got 
uh, 62 stables. So we've always got around about that 60 mark in work. Um, and then we've yeah got sort of 60-odd paddocks at the farm as well. So our main focus is has always been the sort of early education of the horses. And, um, yeah, basically we sort of wanted to offer a one-stop shop with the spelling as well. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the training sort of came a bit later on. We started to do a bit of work with a few uh, re-educational horses and behavioural issue horses. Um, and that's sort of basically how we started our training side of the things. And it's just slowly grown over the last couple of years. Now, I think I'm right in saying you grew up in Charleville. Did you, did your family um, know the, the Moody clan at all from back in the day? Big Pete Moody obviously was from Charleville. Yeah, definitely um, good family, friends with Pete and Sarah. Um, obviously, Brett Kavanagh being from Charleville too, he's, he's quite close family friend. Uh, worked for Brett for a little while as well. Uh, he's, he's a good supporter of ours. He's always got a horse or two up here. Um, he stays up here with us when he comes up. But, um, yeah, Charleville's it's a strange place. It's got a lot of connections out of Charleville in racing especially. I don't know you that well, but every time this horse goes around, well, he wins, uh, are the the nerves increasing each time he goes to the track? Um, Yeah, I guess a little bit. I mean, I I think people start to sort of expect him to um, to win a bit more now that he's he's put so many together. But, uh, I mean, we still focused a lot on the behavioural side of things. With horses like him, they... Um, as I said yesterday, they pick up a bad habit better than uh, quicker than they'll pick up a good habit. Unfortunately, they um, he's a real thinker, and you know we sort of a lot of our focus and pressure is is that getting him to behave and relax in his race and stuff like that. So um, yeah, we feel pressure for him to win, but you know we obviously the main pressure that we feel was was his behavioral side of things which touch wood i think we we've hopefully got it sorted out at this stage just before you go how f- much further do you extend into this preparation do we pull up stumps soon or do we keep going uh yeah or we we've sort of we've said that all along that we once we got him back to the races he won his first start uh he did have i mean like i said we had a half a dozen trials as well so he's had quite a quite a solid preparation even even though he hasn't not a lot of racing but um, when you add those six trials in as well or five trials whatever it was um he's done a fair bit of work so we we basically said that all along that once we feel that he gives us a reason to go to the paddock we will um at this stage he hasn't given given us a reason obviously we'll wait and see after this start how how he pulls up and recovers and we'll make a plan going forward um, but basically, yeah, if he gives the first sign of a tired horse or first reason he gives us, he will be going to the paddock for a break. There's a good four-year-old race in December called the Gateway. Yes, we we did uh, we looked at that briefly. Um, still a query on the seven furlongs um, going forward. There's a couple of options. In about three weeks' time, three or four weeks' time, there's another 13.50. If we go there, that'll give us another guide as to whether we think he's a gateway sort of horse. Uh, Otherwise, uh, there is a couple of 1,200-metre races too. If we want to do a bit of a freshen up and go back to 1,200, we can. Good on you, mate. We've run out of time. You're doing a fantastic job with this horse. And good luck with him and and also uh, continued success with with your operation, your pre-training and breaking in. Yeah, no worries at all. Thanks for having me on. Jay Capewell joining us this morning, a good horse and a good horseman. Yeah, absolutely. And so there was another start. We've been talking to people from the Darling Downs, just quickly in finishing. Something startling happened at Toowoomba last night. You know what I'm talking about? No. Female jockeys rode the card. Yeah. Seven races, uh, all won by female jockeys. There was a couple of doubles in there. So that's a bit of a slice of, uh, slice of history. And, of course, it's uh, coming up to the Melbourne Cup that uh, Michelle mm. Payne won on Prince of Penzance. So good. Good, uh, she'll be in the news. She, in fact, she was in the news today. So that a uh, little bit of history at Toowoomba last night. We're running over time, so I know someone's looking at me. Oh, have a look at him. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Does that mean we can't have the last replay? We're going to it anyway. My decision. Let's listen to Contemptuous <laughs> in the last.
and Boom Spinner comes to the turn in front from Gogol. The marginal length. Don't stop third. Just being niggled out now, as is Contemptuous. He's about to work into the bridle. So Rocket next. Well back was a Montenegro man with better than Groovy. And Dipmas in the home straight, though. Boom Spinner leads the way. Gogol on the outside, laying down the law strongly. They're going stride for stride. Contemptuous a length behind them. Gogol's got the better of Boom Spender. Now Contemptuous comes after Gogol. Gogol in front. Trying hard, Contemptuous. Contemptuous on the outside. Reach the lead and one. Contemptuous beat home Gogol. Don't stop up for third. Then Boom Spender and Sir Rocket, followed by Montenegro man Dipmas and better than Groovy, whipped them in in 1993. And he's promising as well. That's three in a row for Contemptuous. Must have been something in the water yesterday. Kubrick won two years out of the winning list. The last time he won a race was the Bondi. And he runs away, won the first race. So, mm, if you if you back Kubrick yesterday, dead said all your Christmases have come at once. There's your Christmas present right there. Yeah, Brett Killian did a masterful job in the post race interview saying why he thought both Kubrick and he runs away had winning chances. Oh, I'm tipping he backed neither of them. T- ten out of ten to you, Brett. That's the program. Thanks, Ben. Good on you, David. Cheers. And folks, as I always say, thanks for your company, and look forward to doing it again next Sunday when we preview the Melbourne Cup. And I'm going to take a backseat role. Ben will be to the forefront with all of the form. I'm looking forward to it. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.